how's it going tonight, everybody? We are Run the Real featuring Mike, Terry, Fox, and Dan. And we are back with our brand new category. Um, what was it again, Dan? You got us, right? Oh, boy. Christmas movies that are not Elf, A Christmas Story, A Christmas Carol, Miracle on 34th Street, A Charlie Brown Christmas, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, The Santa Claus, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and Frosty the Snowman. <laughs> These are not those movies. We got a real specific category here. <laughs> These are what you should watch instead of those. <laughs> yes. What uh, what gift did you find under the tree, Fox? Oh, well, I found one that had been on my wish list for a few years now. Ah, Santa finally listened. He did. He did. He brought me a real bundle of terror. It was Black Christmas. Did it come in a garment bag, perhaps? It did. Oh, no. I knew what it was the moment I saw it. <laughs> Are you sure Santa brought you that, or was it somebody else? Well, I thought it was Santa, but hmm. Is your skin on too tight? Apparently that's the uh, tagline on the art of this movie. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. If this picture doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight. <laughs> what an odd tagline, too. <laughs> Especially because, like, Things don't happen to people's skin early in this movie, <laughs> like in big bulk. Why, why wouldn't they do something, some Christmas pun? I feel like that's like the obvious one to do, like, because it's called Black Christmas, but. Yeah, it'd be like, he knows when you're sleeping. Ooh, yeah. Man, they were still figuring stuff out back then. They didn't quite know what was marketable yet, I don't think. <laughs> I just want to say the guy who directed this movie also directed A Christmas Story, so. <gasps> the one on our list. <laughs> yep. Don't watch A Christmas Story. <laughs> watch Black Christmas. Man, that's pretty nuts. That's very surprising to me. He's got a very diverse career. Good for him. Well, before we get in here too deep, this is going to be spoiler heavy. So you've been warned. Go watch it or just listen if you don't care about spoilers. But what's this movie about, Fox? Well, I've been thinking about how to describe this uh, movie, and I think during their Christmas break, a group of sorority girls are stalked by a stranger. About sums it up. It's convenient, and also right from IMDb. <laughs> you know, I'm going to say that's an IMDb description that is not great for this one. Oh. Well, yeah, I would say that because... You know, I, I don't really know if it was really stalking this guy did. Yeah, he's not really stalking anybody. He was spying on him and calling him and saying creepy things. Yeah, and apparently, like, living in their attic. Um, it would appear that he lives in the attic and nobody ever goes up there. When's the last time you've been in your attic? I don't know. I haven't had an attic for, oh, jeez, I don't know, eight, nine years. When you had an attic, did you go in it often? Well, kind of, but I was a special case. Our attic was floor level and was a door directly adjacent to my bedroom. Wait, is that even an attic? I don't think that counts. That's another room. <laughs> I went in that attic. Like, we were over there with a whole bunch of guys playing games, and uh, we needed, like, more room to game. And Fox was like, 
here you guys could go in here and we were like tiny room that was the happy attic the the not so happy one was on the other side well this is concerning i guess but i was in one of the attics that's a lot of attics but i mean yeah i guess i don't know you guys have probably had attics did you ever go up there no when i had an attic um i don't think i could have fit up there like it was it was just like a small, like really tiny hole that you had to climb up to, and there wasn't a ladder, so like you weren't supposed to go up there, but you could, I guess, somehow. Yeah, I had one in my garage back when I was in high school that was like where we stored all our Christmas stuff and other random things, but I didn't really like going up there. How fitting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Those places always kind of creep me out, like addicts and stuff, ugh. Get all cobwebs and stuff. Feel like the floor is gonna fall out on you. Oh man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, even like just pulling out like the giant like Christmas decorations from up there. Like I'm just gonna fall and break my neck. Like man, <laughs> it's horrible. Attics are the worst. A place where no one was meant to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, even like the sorority mother, she doesn't go up there until she thinks the cat's up there. And she goes up there and she's like, oh, I need to clean this out, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and she gets, like, meat hooked. It's a pretty creepy attic, almost like a, why is this attic so creepy? Because nobody cleans it. I mean, they just have the creepiest junk up there. Well, that's why they don't want it downstairs. That's where they keep all the weird stuff. Good point, I guess. If you're going to own some creepy stuff, you might as well keep it where you're never going. Wait, what was so creepy in the attic besides the bodies? That horse is super creepy. The horse? What's wrong with the horse? It's just it's a, weird looking. It's just a, like, I don't know what it's made out of, a china horse. Like it had a goiter or something, it was in horrible pain, I don't know. Oh, yeah, I don't know. It was kind of creepy, just but, you know, I think most of that was just because there's a dude up there <laughs> messing around. That doesn't help matters. And messing around is probably putting it a little lightly, but... Yeah. <laughs> Where did he get food? Like, did he just crawl down in the middle of the night and go raid the kitchen? He didn't stay there the whole time. He was going in and out, I think. Because we see him at the beginning climbing up there, so, like, he knows how to get in and out from, like, the window or whatever, so... And that one cop who they stationed out there had her neck slashed. Yeah, yeah. So he did... Yeah, he, he comes and goes, I think. Oh, yeah, I guess I forgot about that. Don't have another infamous where does he pee incident here. <laughs> hmm. Okay, well, if we're done talking about that, what do you guys think of Black Christmas? <laughs> you know, I gotta say, I had a pretty good time, and it turned out to be a little creepier than I thought it was going to. Yeah, this was pretty good. It's a good look back at, like, where all the slasher movies, well, got... A lot of their ideas from, especially Halloween. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, because yeah, everybody credits Halloween for all this stuff, but really, they should be looking at Black Christmas for a lot of these tropes. Honestly, like, it's it's nuts how early this came about. Was somebody doing that uh that that POV like stalking people thing before this movie? Oh, I'm sure there was one somewhere, but maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Probably, but like. Maybe not in this context, like of like a quote unquote slasher movie. I feel like this is like the groundworking of a slasher. Like but it's not even a slasher movie, really. Yeah, it, it's somewhere in the middle, a little bit. Like 
it has a lot of the tropes of a slasher, but it's more actually a lot more character focused, I think, than about the killer, where a lot of slashers are about the killer. It's more of a mystery than anything else. The Jalo felt kind of like a Argento, but without the magic of a character who has nothing to do with what's going on <laughs> involving themselves. But there was, you know, the hand shots that that guy loves. I mean, there was some hand shots in this, you know, like him climbing up stuff, climbing down. I don't think we got a hand knife scene, did we? Mm, yeah, when he was stabbing the barb. That's what we'll call her. I'm just going to say, I don't remember anybody's name in this movie, so... Barb was the one who was always drunk and being unpleasant, let's say. <laughs> I love Barb. Oh, okay, okay. I got to say, I think my favorite was like the house sorority mother. Ah, uh, yeah, Mrs. Mac. That lady is a champion. She was cracking me up. She had so much booze just hidden all over the house. Yeah, it's ridiculous, but it was so funny. It's such like a different like tone than the rest of the movie, but it's it works in a weird way. Kind of like those Giallo movies where it's just like, <laughs> what is this character? <laughs> yeah, she acts so inconvenienced when the dad shows up and starts questioning how she's <laughs> running the house. <laughs> she keeps her booze in the toilet. Uh, well, it's sealed, you know. <laughs> that's disgusting. I mean, that that's where the clean water is, you know. <laughs> that's true, but mm, not still. She was great comedic relief in this. <laughs> I did like her quite a bit. She was funny. But yeah, those uh, those phone calls were what really spooked me. Like those are actually like legitimately terrifying. Just listening to that guy going nuts on the phone. Ugh. All those weird noises he's making. Jeez Louise. So I know back in the day before there was caller ID and stuff, those calls did happen a lot. Like my dad was telling us a story about it one time where somebody used to call the house and they would either just breathe on the phone real loud or they would ask if my mom was there. And just make weird noises on the back. But you couldn't tell who was doing it, you know, because there's no caller, caller ID back then and stuff. So, like, this did happen. People would stalk somebody, get their phone number, call them, and, you know, do that on the end of the phone. That's scary. I don't like that. One time I got a call as a kid, and they were like, hey, your dad home? And, you know, Fox being eight or whatever was like, no. And the guy was like cool and hung up oh. <laughs> so i went and hid in the tree house oh no but then it just turned out to be one of my dad's friends who <laughs> thought it wasn't necessary to explain himself wow wow <laughs> second thought fox isn't home either <laughs> <laughs> but yeah back before caller id that did happen you know a lot well maybe not a lot i don't know the frequency but like it did and it's kind of personable you know, because, yeah, that happened to my parents. And it's like, you don't know who's on the other end. It could be, you know, somebody just trying to get a hold of you, or it could be the creep who's, like, making the weird noises. Like, ugh. This movie leads you on to think that it's one character who's calling in, when it's really not, I guess, and we still don't know who is calling them. Yeah, what do you guys think about that? It's not about him. So I guess it doesn't matter so much. It's definitely the inspiration Carpenter got for Michael Myers. 
um, because you don't really explain anything about him in that first one besides he killed his um, sister. That's about all you know in that one. And then from the phone calls in this, you could probably ascertain more information about what's wrong with this dude than what you could in that original Halloween movie. So it's not necessary to the movie, I guess. But I don't know. I like I like having the legendary figures behind something. So I mean, it's like but with Michael Myers, you know who it is. And with this one, like, you don't, which I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I actually kind of liked it. Um, it was it actually really gave me the creeps at the end. I was like, oh, God, like, it's just some random dude. Like, I don't like that. That that creeped me out. But, yeah, who knows? You like you, you don't learn anything about this guy at all, like his motives or his. You kind of do through the phone calls. I, I feel like this guy has some serious um, mental issues going on. <laughs> really? <You> don't say. <laughs> it comes from an abusive, abusive family, I think. I think that he slept with his sister and they had a child what? and then tried to kill it or something. That's what I got out of the phone calls. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. It It seemed like he had multiple personalities to me, kind of, in his phone call. Yeah, that's what I figured. Brought about by a tragic incident, I would assume. Yeah, and I think that's creepy, but it also, I don't know, like, it is creepy that you don't know who it is, but then, I don't know, it kind of made me feel like there wasn't a payoff there, maybe, because you don't know and it's left open-ended and you don't know, like, much about him at all. It's just some guy showing up killing people. Which is concerning, but I don't know. It kind of felt like the payoff wasn't there for me. Well, they don't treat him like Michael Myers, right? Yeah, he's not treated like a classic slasher horror villain. He's not built up like they build up Michael, and that's why he stands out more, I think, even though you really don't know much about him in that first movie besides, oh, he's some psycho who killed his sister when he was a kid that's all you know and it's just all um dr loomis's build-up throughout the rest of the movie that makes him scary and turns him into a larger-than-life thing well until the end but i mean but i mean a lot of slashers that is the whole point is to figure out who's doing it like um prom night uh terror train even the first friday the 13th is like that pretty much there's a movie called Terror Train. Yeah, yeah, Terror Train. Ooh, that sounds awesome. I need to watch this. Oh, I don't know if it's that awesome, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's got Jamie Lee Curtis in it. But anyways, yeah, like it's interesting that they don't reveal who it is at the end, I think. And I don't I'm not I don't think it's a bad thing personally, but it just seems so weird like cuz I'm so used to it, you know, like there's always like that at the end like, "Oh, it was actually this guy the whole time," you know, but and this is just like, who knows? And I mean, I I do think that's scary. Ugh, I just, yeah, it's weird. Disconcerting. It's a proper horror movie ending, right? Because you've got the main character who survives, but in the end, she's ended up killing somebody who was innocent. I will use quotation marks there because <laughs> we we can get into that when we're off of this topic, but... It, it it's a classic ending because it's like you've killed somebody who was innocent 
And the real threat, the real threat is still out there and is going to keep doing what he's doing. You don't get that a lot anymore in horror movies, I feel like. Like things that are that wrap it up this bleak. Like I hated the movie The Mist, but the ending to The Mist, it reminds me a lot of the ending to this and just how like, yeah, you made it, but <laughs> you're probably worse, a lot worse for wear after that. I don't want to come across that I hated it hated the ending and everything it is odd and it's different compared to everything else i've seen in the genre like you were saying tv but i don't think the main characters were good enough and interesting enough for me to warrant that kind of ending just for me because i kind of felt a little like cheaped out like it is freaky but the main characters i just wasn't drawn to them enough to not find out who is trying to kill them Without any justification there, I guess. Well, part of the problem with that is we don't know who the main character is for like half the movie. And then then we're like, okay, so Jess is the main character. And then we start getting a lot of good character development and moral dilemmas and stuff out of her character and her situation that gets you really invested in the character. The rest of it's just like, I don't know, it's not really... It, I guess it's set up for the the killer, though you don't learn anything about him. It's just setting up where he's at in the house and what he's going to be doing. And I guess it sets up the mystery aspects of the movie, too. But I, I will agree that it is a little weird that <laughs> it takes half the movie before we actually get a main character. I do think it's like a little bit of product at the time, right? Because like they didn't start putting faces and names to like serial killers until the seventies into the eighties, really. So like it was for a long time just hysteria over faceless, you know, deranged maniacs in the night who you never find or capture. That's a good point. I didn't think of that, but I, that is a really good point. Well, and then there was the inconvenient, uh, an inconvenient that. <laughs> tragic time timing of yeah the the bundy sorority house shortly after this was yeah set to air in america so it did kind of time out and yeah in a weird kind of way like that the old hysteria meeting the i guess new yeah when it comes to home home invasion movies or that theme i think this is the scariest one i've seen and for for me i don't find home invasion movies that frightening uh most of them just aren't that great. Like, I know a really popular one is The Strangers, and I think that movie's garbage. But <laughs> this is actually, it it's clever how they do it, and it works with that hysteria Fox was talking about, because you're never going to think that the killer is actually living in your house. Most of that's like, People are scared someone's going to break in and just start killing them and things like that, right? This guy's broke in and he's killed somebody, but he's hanging out in the attic and he just comes down every once in a while and gets somebody else and takes them back up there. That is a lot more terrifying to me thinking there's a guy in this house who's killed multiple people and he's just sitting here waiting until he's ready to come get me next. Yeah, that's such a cool reveal. Like, the the phone call's coming from inside the house. Like, 
kind of feels like you know like scream and stuff kind of got the got a lot from this but to me it was i don't want to say predictable because i don't think they were really trying to obfuscate information from you about that it's just like that nobody ever thought to go look up there and then every time somebody did go up there he was there so i was just I assumed he was up there the whole time, and that just made the rest of the movie a lot more intense. And they never find the bodies either. Like, they're still up there. Oh, jeez. The body's just staring out the window. Oh, man. Man, that is so creepy. It's like just sitting there in plain daylight and nobody can see it. It's very symbolic of, like, how helpless everybody is to do anything in this film, which is a nice parallel. I really liked uh, like the kills and stuff in this movie, too. I thought they were all really well done. The first one is just so scary when he's just hiding in the closet. Ugh, that's so tense. Jeez, man. With the plastic bag going over her face. Oh, man. It, they're, I think they're all really creepy and like some pretty cool like jump scares, even. Yeah, it was really well done. Like the POV for the killer coming down and creeping around the house into the rooms and getting people that was nice seeing his eyes staring through that little hole in the doorway or whatever oh my god oh, i hate <laughs> when they do that that's literally gonna haunt me oh man there's not that many kills there's like three i think right no well there's four so there's not that many honestly but they're all really creepy i think and they do a good job of building the tension and oh man Every time they send one girl up there to go to bed or something, you're like, oh, no. <laughs> I didn't mind when Barb went up there. Oh, <laughs> I liked Barb. Man, she was awful. Barb was cracking me up. <laughs> I thought she was going to be the main character, but no. I did, too. Yeah, they set her up to be that way, especially in like the first couple scenes. Yeah, and then she goes to bed for, like, the re half of the movie. <laughs> yeah. But she was so drunk the whole time. Like, that when she, like, talked to her mom or something, she's like, oh, yeah, I've had a few. <laughs> I'm not drunk, mom. Yeah. I felt like Barb was a little relatable, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did seem very relatable, too, I guess. Well, maybe. I don't really know much about sororities in college. But, like, when they have their... um santa event or whatever and they had that guy show up and he's like cussing in front of the kids and stuff man this seems like textbook what i would expect one of these to be in the 70s it's really funny they've got a lot of really funny stuff in this breaks up the tension real nice like like it's supposed to yeah i never felt like it was too much to me like it was all just the right amount it was an intense but comfortable ride a few steep drops, but, you know, with some really comfy cushioned seats. Yeah, I think my most uh, favorite part of watching this movie was, you know, just the vibe of the 70s and everything. Like the house, the style, the setting. I, that all just looked really good. Like the sorority house had the deep red carpets and, you know, the kind of cool walkways and stuff and all the art. And I, I don't know, I just really dig that style a lot. I mean, this movie just filmed what was going on there in that time period, so. Yeah, it looked really good. Yeah, I thought the shots and stuff, like just the color. Yeah, it was very warm and fuzzy almost, which is interesting. Everything nowadays is like, 
stark and modern and sleek. It, it felt like a home for a bunch of people, like an actual home. It felt like a classic Christmas home, you know, with the, the lighting, the Christmas lights. Yeah, everybody wearing the jackets. Like the the boyfriend of, I want to say it was Claire, his jacket when... They went and got him from playing hockey and stuff. His, like, fur jacket. I was like, oh, yeah, that looks slick. I like how he just goes into the police station. He's like, Kent, (laughs) what is nothing being done here, you know? (laughs) I feel bad for that police officer. (laughs) He's kind of incompetent, but, man, everybody is just giving him the business. And it's like, oh, man. Whatever you do, don't tell her the killer's (laughs) in the house. (laughs) You know... I I think I'd side with him for that because she was not going to do anything. And he's like, I got to get her out of here. And she ain't listening. Yeah. There's only so much he can do in that situation. Yeah. I do concur with Mike, though. I mean, you know me. I love a good 70s movie. And this one is like a 70s A Christmas Story. <laughs> At some <laughs> point. The way it looks. Yeah. So here's a question. Does this have anything to do with Christmas other than being set on like near Christmas? Or do you think it's just kind of a coincidental kind of thing? Well, you know, there would have been a lot more than four girls at the house if it hadn't been Christmas. That's true. So to some extent, it might be a plot device to uh, make the scenario a little more believable. Well, you know, like there's the argument like is Die Hard a Christmas movie because it's set on Christmas. Like, do you think that applies to this one as well or not? How dare you? (laughs) If it takes place during Christmas, it's fair game. That's what I always thought, but, like, yeah. I mean, there's, like, a mysterious stranger who's hiding up in the the roof, you know? Like, coming down to kill. Maybe there's, like, a Santa parallel there. I don't know. Yeah, he knows when you're sleeping, and he knows when you're awake. He does. Yeah, because he's going to call you. I don't know. I was just wondering if you guys thought there was anything like more to it or if it was just kind of a, like, just, eh, set on Christmas, give it a cool, like, gimmick kind of thing. That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know if it would work as well if it wasn't Christmas. Yeah. It's got Christmas music in it. The carolers cover up the death of one of the characters. Yeah, I, li- I like that it was set on Christmas. It's a good... It it helps it stand out just because it's a holiday. Like, even for bad movies, like Thanksgiving, there you go. Ah, uh, Thanksgiving is terrible. Well, that makes it stand out because it's on a holiday instead of being just some random day. It's festive. Yeah. Yeah, I like that song Christmas, too. It gives it an interesting vibe, I think. The winter, you know, the snow and stuff. It's nice, too. It puts cynicism back in the holiday. I guess what I said about gremlins, but it's like it explores the lives of other people who don't get to go home for the holidays or don't really have anyone else to go to and it's got to stay at the sorority house in this instance. Yeah, like Barbara obviously has family issues, you know, like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's like not everything's hunky-dory. The dark side of Christmas. Yeah. So we brought it up a little bit earlier. Um, The girl who's pregnant and her, like, boyfriend or guy she's, like, seeing and sleeping with relationship. What did you guys think about that? They're a couple. Were they, though? 
Yeah, she said when they were talking about when they got together or whatever, all the stuff they wanted to do. So this is just some fling. I doubt that that would have been brought up. Well, it seemed like the guy thought it was significantly more serious than she did. Yeah, they probably talked about like their future plans and stuff, but I don't know if like, yeah, it was like locked down together. I don't know. They never really go too deep into it, but. He's definitely a creep. I'll, I'll say that much. Jeez. Oh, yeah. And just him playing that piano piece with like, was it supposed to sound like that? Did he like have to perform this really creepy discordant piece? I think it was supposed to sound bad. Like the piano was out of tune and he was like messing up and stuff, playing discordant notes. Because it felt like every note was wrong. Like I felt at that point, I was like, okay, like this is the part of the piece. It's just like a weird, you know, kind of avant-garde you know, chromatic kind of thing. That's what I thought he was playing. And it kind of like matched his personality. I wasn't sure if, yeah, he was doing it wrong because that seems like a very wrong if like he's just hitting all the wrong notes. <laughs> I don't know. I thought the piano was like out of tune or something, but I mean, I think he failed his exam or whatever it was supposed to be. Yeah, well, yeah, he definitely failed because you could see the people listening were like, I don't like this one bit. <laughs> I thought that was way overdone. Like, that dude was sweating so much in between scenes. Hey, it's intense. I can concur. I play piano, and you get going. That guy was going, man. You can get into it, and you can get sweating. <laughs> it was just a weird scene. Yeah, I put a towel down so it don't get on all the keys. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Like, I've played solos um, before, too. It's very nerve-wracking. Not on the piano, but on other instruments. But, like, that just was a weird scene for that guy's, like, personal turmoil he was going through. I don't think it really showed it very well <laughs> of him going on the keys and everybody's just like, hmm, <laughs> he's got a comical amount of sweat. <laughs> he had an angry sweat on top of his solo performance sweat. <laughs> his, piece, his piece was rampant representing his mindset the music was real weird and like you could obviously tell he was not playing the piano yeah that was true. and then he proceeds <laughs> to bash the piano with like one of those uh you know like when you cue in a line at the movie theater they have like the velvet ropes like attached to things it was one of those things he was like beating <laughs> this piano in with oh man that was the worst scene in the movie i was like Dude, do you know how much that costs? That thing's a work of art. Don't do that. <laughs> the most brutal kill in the movie. Yep. It's like, you got to hand make those pianos. Somebody spent a long time on that thing. But I, I like that scene. It's like his piece represents his turmoil he's going through because he's gotten his girlfriend pregnant but she wants to abort it and he doesn't so that's obviously a big big issue and that kind of justifies how he acts i think through most of this film but it's clever that they have that going on at the same time as the killer so you don't really know if it's him or not or if it's one of the other boyfriends or somebody else so it, it's clever that they intertwine it that way and it gave a lot of like character development to him and Jess, so that was nice. Yeah, the movie really wants you to think it's that guy. They really built him up as <laughs> the scary uh, office hinges, you know, kind of losing the control or whatever. 
which he does break in for like no reason in the basement <laughs> at the end yeah though i will say in his defense they do tell you that he's in the clear through or during the movie yeah yeah they do they give you the evidence it's like it's not this guy but you're still you're like hmm i'm not so sure but what i find interesting about it is he's not in the clear even though he's in the clear, right? Because he's threatened Jess already about it. And then um, he's obviously losing his mind over the whole thing because she doesn't want to be with them anymore and wants to abort the baby. So he's having a rough time and he's not thinking clearly and he's obviously going to try and do something. So it's it's interesting that that just so happens to be going on at the same time that there's an actual killer in the sorority house who's killing people. And talking about similar things that the boyfriend's talking about. Yeah, and that makes it more personal for the main character. So I really liked that. I was like, that's a cool like layer to put on top of this. Makes it a lot more interesting than most other slasher films. I'm just going to say that guy has the skinny tree technique down. And he's got a master scowl. Like, when the police leave the house and he's, like, hiding behind the tree across the street, and he, like, <laughs> leans out from behind the tree and he's just scowling. I was like, man, that guy can scowl. <laughs> he's also just hiding behind a tree. He is very lanky. It's true. I mean, that scowl is, like, ingrained into my brain. <laughs> like the scowl my dog gives me when she sees I have good food. <laughs> She's like, hmm. And even the way he moves is like creepy and sinister. When he's coming down the stairs there to talk to her after her phone call because he's been apparently napping in the sorority house. <laughs> in her room, he just like took a nap. I like, I've never been comfortable enough with anybody besides my parents to just like, Go over to their house and nap when they're not there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so he's coming down, and so like we see his legs come out of the stairs right, and I was like, oh, my God, who is that? Why does he walk so weird? Is that the killer? And then at the end there, when he's going to break into the basement, and she sees who she thinks is the killer poking around at the windows, Again, I was like, oh my god, why does that guy move like that? He's so creepy. <laughs> Boy, that's definitely the killer. <laughs> you guys think he was going to murder Jess at the end when he showed up? I think he was up to no good, whether it was like murder or like, hey, I'm going to try and manipulate you to what I want. I don't know. He just made me uncomfortable He's a hard every time. time. Yeah, still, but I mean, that doesn't mean... He didn't act appropriately, of course, but you can get where he's coming from. Maybe. I mean, I think he was always a creep, right? Like That's a very hot topic. I, I do think this was kind of, maybe, from what I know of the 70s, a little progressive for on that front. Actually addressing it in a movie, yeah. As, like, the main, like, thing in the movie, yeah, that's pretty nuts, yeah. That's a very bold thing to put in your movie. I think, ironically, Bob Clark said that, like, they only did that just so there would be, like, a reason for them to have, like, an argument. It was never, like, about the politics to them. They were just like, hmm, what could we say that's a hot take for two characters just to argue about? <laughs> and they chose that. <laughs> yeah. I, I think he had more motive to making it about abortion because of what the um, 
Billy's talking about on the phone calls too, so. Yeah, I feel like there's more to it. I think he was trying to say something, but it just seems like why would you pick that of all things unless you had something you wanted to say about it, you know? Like, (laughs) they could argue about anything. That is true. I wonder if he was just throwing the scent off back then. They, They don't give an answer one way or the other, which that's good. That's how I like it in my movies for the most part. Um, there's rare exceptions to that, but it, it's still, it's interesting and it's something you can relate to being like, yeah, yeah, I get why he, he's acting like that for sure. After, um, this situation, I don't agree with it, but I get why he's like that. And it's obviously bothering her too. It is an interesting dynamic. Yeah. Not one I expected, but yeah, I thought it was interesting. So Yeah. It gives the characters a lot more depth and makes them more interesting because of it. Well, does anybody have anything else about this one? Or are we ready for some overall presentation? I'm ready. I'm golden. Give us the scale. We got a scale that we use to rate these movies. It goes from burn it, pass, watch it, or buy it in that order. We all give a little summary about what we think of the movie, and then we give out our rating. And then we try to average all our ratings out at the end, so... Who knows if it's even possible? We'll see. Sometimes our scores are a little... They never quite land quite in the middle sometimes. So. We have to fudge it a couple times. Yeah, so. yeah. But, you know, this movie reminded me... This week I've been getting a lot of weird... Like, you know how there's like spam calls and stuff? I keep getting all these calls and, you know, I was getting kind of annoyed with it. But then I kept getting... There's this like one number that kept calling me over and over again. And it was just like making these weird noises... I didn't, I couldn't exactly tell what they're talking about. I could pick up like key phrases and it was always saying something about like, run the reel, podcast, like first. A loyal fan (laughs) reaching out. Thank you. He just has a bad connection. (laughs) I do not condone our fans calling me on the phone and (laughs) making weird noises. But, (laughs) you know, first time for everything, I think I'll respect the wishes, and I think Mike probably should go first this time. Well, uh, thanks for listening, uh, Guy Calling TV. (laughs) Keep it up, I guess. Yeah, so for most of the time watching this movie, I was pretty bored. I'm not going to lie. Like, I didn't really attach on to the drama i didn't really attach on to the characters you don't get a good enough time figuring out who the main character is until halfway through and but there is some decent quirks in the characters so they're better than your average slasher and there's some good drama between um who actually ends up being our main character and her partner significant other the guy who she was sleeping with whatever you want to call it like, there, there's some interesting drama there that I think is, you know, it's still relevant today, that kind of discussion and themes they were talking about. But that's not what the meat of this movie is. The meat of it is you have this creepy guy who's living in the attic who's slowly killing off the sorority girls. And you don't find out who that guy is, creepy or not. I, I don't know. I just didn't feel like the payoff was there. This movie was okay, and you guys did bring up a lot of good points that kind of swayed me more to give this a watch it, but I think I do have to give this a pass. Unless you are a fan of these kinds of movies, I cannot recommend you go watch this one just out of the blue. But if you do like these movies, you would probably like this, so listen to the other things too. But for Mike, this was a pass. You know, if you if you listen to the show any at all, you'll know that... 
there's just something about the 70s that gets me. I don't know what it is about the film, but it's just some top-tier stuff. So I think with that already going forward on top of just being a good old classic slasher, proto-mystery, whatever you want to call it, it's a buy from me. Man, I gotta say, this one needs to be on my mantle with my none of those other Christmas classics we named the series <clears throat> after, <laughs> you know? This is right up there on that 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 top watch every year at Christmas kind of movie. I was pretty impressed with this too, like mostly by like how creepy I thought it was. Those phone calls are so disturbing. I think all the kills are really well done and super creepy. The ending's a little weird, I think, but I kind of like how they end things. It's very ominous. The fact that we never know who this guy is. Um, I like the characters for the most part. Uh, it is kind of like they don't really reveal who the main person is, but. I really liked watching like their dynamics together, like hanging out in the sorority house. And I, I also think there's a cool like historical context to this movie, just watching it just because it is such like a proto slasher kind of thing. Like just seeing where some of these ideas came from and like the techniques they use is pretty cool. Um, I'm going to give it a watch it. I did enjoy it quite a bit. Um, it is a little slow, but overall I, I did enjoy it. So I'll give it a watch it. Yeah, this one's one of the granddaddies of the slasher movies, and especially um, Halloween. Like, Carpenter got a lot of his ideas from this movie for Halloween and made it his own thing, which is nice to see, um, and made uh, just a classic slasher um, with Halloween. That's the one I consider to be the best. I ended up really liking this one because this is the one that Halloween got most of its ideas from. The camera work, just like the main story, being a cast of all female characters that all have their own quirks, is really good. It really surprised me. It was really intense. I didn't think it was very scary. I thought it was more of a mystery than anything else, but it was still very intense when it needed to be and very creepy. Um, especially thinking that or knowing that the killer was in the house the entire time is you don't see that very often. And if you do, it's not handled as well as it is in this one. Yeah, this one's a buy it from me as well. This, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I would add this to my yearly watch list around Christmas time. I could watch Halloween on Halloween and watch Black Christmas on Christmas. That'd be good. I, now I just need a good slasher for Thanksgiving and um, some other holidays. It was really good. It really surprised me. Good pick, Fox. This was good. Especially since we're recording this the day after Halloween for us. So. <laughs> <laughs> Still fit, squeezing it in and horror watching. Yeah, that's good. I haven't, I haven't had time to watch all the Halloween movies I wanted to this Halloween, so... I'm going to be watching more later. <laughs> I, d I did think of something else I thought was really cool in this movie. What you got? I loved seeing how they trace the call. Oh, yeah. You never see how that works in a movie. And like, I don't know if it's accurate or not. I'm just thought I just thought it was cool that they showcased how it worked in this movie. And it was really neat seeing that big old like. I don't know what it was, warehouse with all of those lines and the dude has to run around and physically find the location. It was an old data center. 
think it was a great depiction of what they look like, you know? Back in the day, um, they used to have people sit there and manually um, connect the calls. Like, you called the operator, and you're like, hey, I want to go, uh, I want to call these people, and they would switch the lines, you know, for you. This was a step above that, but it was, you know, just a small step above that to a bigger warehouse where he had to, like, walk across to find where the line was going and everything. I think the question is, where do we go from here? I think we teased that Dan had his pick last week, so... What do you guys think I'm gonna pick? That's the question. Oh. Mm. I think you're gonna pick Die Hard. Hmm, interesting. Terry? I'm questioning if it's gonna be a horror movie or not. Oh, man. I'm gonna guess Krampus. Hmm, interesting. Mike? Jingle all the way. <laughs> you know, I would I would love to talk about that, but that's that's too Christmas. Not on the list. That that's not on the list, that's true, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it's too Christmassy. I will say we do have a winner out of these. <gasps> I am gonna pick Die Hard. Dang. <laughs> Man, I was hoping it was Die Hard. <laughs> Yippee ki yay! <laughs> <laughs> wow, good guess, Fox. Oh, thanks. I'm looking forward to it. He knows me so well. Cool. Yeah, I've only seen this like once, and it was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So it'll be good to revisit it. You've only seen it once. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is going to be a great time then. Now I'm glad I picked it even more. I haven't seen it in a while, too, so it's it's good. It's a good Christmas movie, (laughs) or we'll talk about that next week. Yeah, we can talk about the the great debate that's around that movie. In the meantime, if any of you listeners out there have any, like, Christmas movies or holiday movies you like to watch, you know, cool holiday-themed stuff, you know, maybe not for Christmas, but yeah, for, like, those other holidays, anything. We want to know your recommendations, what you like to watch during the holiday season, all that kind of stuff. Hit us up on Facebook or Twitter at Run the Real, or you can email us at runtherealpodcast at gmail.com. We want to know your thoughts and opinions. Did you like Black Christmas? Is it a horror classic? We need to know. Are you going to add it to your Christmas viewing list? Ooh, yeah. Oh, I almost forgot, and by no means... At all, should you watch the most recent Black Christmas? I wouldn't even say it's a remake, because it's nothing like this at all. Man, I was going to watch that. Don't do it. It's awful. (laughs) two remakes, apparently. Yeah, there is two remakes. Watch the other one before you watch the 2019 one. Look, I have a morbid curiosity about this kind of thing. I think I might watch it sometime. I'm just going to throw it out there. I was kind of thinking the same thing. Mm-mm, don't do it. You're going to regret it. We'll see. Maybe we need to have a, what was my last segment called? The uh, Exorcist. The Exorcist update. Update, yeah. Maybe we need to have a Black Christmas uh, Black Christmas catch-up. You could do it. There's there's two other ones you could watch. So That's true. <laughs> Maybe I will. We'll see how I'm feeling. Did you finish the Exorcist book? No, I never did. Ah. <laughs> in, in classic Terry fashion, I listened to about half of it, and I was like, eh, I, I'll get to this later. <laughs> That's like my biggest crutch whenever I try to read a book or listen to a book. It's like, uh, the commitment is just so much. 
Maybe I'll get back to it though someday. Surely. I say that about every every book I read, but <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for listening to us tonight. We really appreciate it. If you're calling TV with these messages, make sure to keep doing that because I know he wants to hear from you. We would love to hear from you, but specifically TV. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is Run the Real. What? Signing off. <laughs> Can't end with that. Oh my god. Okay, I'm going to take another swig of beer before I do the overall. Okay. Mm. Wow, he's really relishing this. Some solid product placement there, man. Beer, drink it. (laughs) Man, any advertisers here?